This is the Action Network Podcast. It's on target, and it is good. Wow. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What up, what up, what up? And welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. This is your divisional round betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. I am joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky and Stuck. I need I need your thoughts on this last weekend because it was it was kind of a wild weekend, particularly uh, that Niner Cowboy game. It was a very interesting weekend. I ended up being pretty chalky. I think favorites went five and one. Yeah, the Cowboys game was just absolutely insane at the end. Ultimately, it was a pretty boring weekend. I think I, it was a small winner. It would have been a really good weekend if the Raiders covered, and they really should have. I mean, that was that was a really frustrating game to watch. Boger's crew obviously just botched everything, but you have that kickoff that the Raiders botched, probably cost them three points. You have the blown whistle, the blown OPI. And then at the end, is if that ball doesn't go off of Sam Hubbard's helmet, Waller walks in and the Raiders cover. So that game was really annoying. But what it ultimately did is it gave us the best possible matchups for this weekend. This is the best weekend of the NFL season, in my opinion. Two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Always really good teams. Uh, so I'm excited. I can't wait for it. And uh, I'm excited to break it down, try to find some winners. How did you like that? Uh, send the left, the best left tackle in a game in motion on a quarterback sneak. Do you know that the, the most successful from a success rate perspective? So success rate on fourth, third, and fourth down is just conversions. The most successful play in NFL history by percentage, there's math, is a Jimmy G quarterback sneak on fourth and one. Tom Brady is like 90, high 90 percentage. Jimmy G, 25 of 25 in his career on fourth and one quarterback sneaks. Get up there behind Mac and sneak the fucking ball, Kyle. That's it. You don't need to, you don't need to put your tackle in motion. You don't need any fancy formation. It's snap and move forward a half yard and end the game. And, you know, then luckily the Cowboys botched everything at the end. Otherwise, who knows? Anything can happen. So the 49ers eventually escaped. The uh, Cowboys went out in typical Cowboys fashion. Just get up and sneak the ball. That's it. You snap it and you fall forward. That's all. (laughs) It's crazy because it's like. Not only is he 25 of 25, I'm pretty sure I've seen every one of those plays because I watch all the games. Forget the quarterback sneaks. I don't think I've ever seen a left tackle go in motion, period. Definitely, I don't think on any of those 25 quarterback sneaks. So, yeah, that the, the, it's it was so Cowboys for them to botch a coaching decision that, like, overrode that silliness that Kyle Shanahan did. But we'll talk more about the Cowboys because we, we're bringing back the coaches pep talk this week. We didn't have one last week. We're bringing one back just for this week, so uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into the six-pack in a sec. Uh, Just want to give a couple quick notes. First, in case you're new here, please download the award-winning Action Network app. It's the top-rated app for sports bettors, and it lets you track every bet 
that you make. Speaking of the app, if you want to reference this episode, Six Pack Picks, anytime, just use the app's follow feature and follow Sunday Six Pack, where we log our top picks there every Friday during the season. For those of you who love betting on golf, Action Network's Links and Locks podcast is back for a new PGA Tour season with two episodes every week covering all things betting and DFS. So as the golf season gets into full swing, check out Links and Locks wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Uh, and last, we ask you guys to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and you guys came through. Uh, we always appreciate it. And uh, we have selected two reviews to win uh, a prize. We will announce those at the end of today's episode. Uh, so stick around and, of course, continue to, to give us those rating and reviews. And we'll give you guys uh, some more winners throughout the postseason. All right. Let's get the people what they want. Let's open the divisional round weekend six pack presented by our friends at the Athletic Brewing Company. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. All right, Stuck, you have a 55-54 lead. You warned me about betting on Cliff, and that uh, that was over rather quickly. We'll jump into the Six Pack in a second, but I thought you had some good information last week on the wild card, uh, just kind of general trends. So go ahead and set up the divisional round typically it's been well historically i should say it's been a dog round conference championships have been more about favorites doesn't really mean anything but take take away what you want but the divisional round has been all about the underdog underdogs have gone 41 29 and one against the spread it's 58.6 percent covering by just under two points per game on average favorites in the divisional round after a buy right everyone wants that coveted buy 28 38 one against the spread 42.4% covering by an average margin of negative 1.6. Very interesting stat there. Dogs after being favored against a team on a bye. So that would be part of the Bengals for what it's worth. 25, 13 and one against the spread 65.8% covering by over a field goal per game. Home teams, 32, 39 and one, 45% against the spread. Teasing any dog. Any dog, no matter what the price, 76%, which is well over the hurdle rate. That's that's even better than teasing the numbers for teasing like through three and seven during the regular season. In regards to totals, playoff unders with a total between 47 and 55 and a half, which is where all the totals are this week. Unders have gone 48, 36 and two in that range, 57% since 2003. The numbers get even better for games played outdoors and all four games will be played outdoors those unders, 37-20-2, hitting by an average margin of about 2.7 points per game. Quick weather here. It'll be cold in Nashville, cold in Kansas City, but it doesn't look like anything bad from a weather perspective. Tampa looks like it'll be pretty nice. No major wind concerns like last week. The forecast to watch is in Green Bay. We could see, ne- we could see you know negative wind chill, two-degree temperatures, on Saturday night and uh, you know, some winds 10 to 15 miles an hour, even a chance of snow. doesn't look like we'll get a lot of accumulation, but um, it could be, you know, flurrying all day. So that's the weather forecast to watch, but that's kind of the, the lay of the land. It's mainly been uh, an underdog weekend, but look, when I say that, that, that means 58%. So you can't just go and blindly bet the underdogs. 
we got to find winners here, but that just kind of gives you a historical picture of uh, what has happened in the past. Yeah, that was great information. And it's interesting because I feel like we've seen some overcorrections lately. You know, I know there was a trend about the, you know, indoor overs hitting in the playoffs, you know, going back a long time, but over the last, you know, three years and change, it's like nine and one now to the under with that uh, 49er Cowboy under. Then I know favorites have been doing a little better over the last couple of years in the divisional round, um, even though the underdog's still 58% uh, overall. So interesting to see how that goes. And of course we had the favorites go, what was it five and one last week? So it could also, it could just be noise. Mm-hmm. These are mm-hmm. not a normal sample size. And when you're talking about four games, it's uh, let's look at the matchups and the lines and, and uh, try to find the best side or total. Yeah. Bottom line is you're, you're looking for matchups. You're looking for winners. The trends are just kind of a guiding point, maybe, to kind of strengthen how you feel about one team or another. But yep. to start it off with my first overall pick of the divisional round weekend six pack, I am going with the Buffalo Bills plus one and a half at the Kansas City Chiefs. And the wagon. The Bills make me want to kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. Uh, you know, I like this Bills team. We saw them just destroy and play almost a football equivalent of a perfect game on offense going against uh, the New England Patriots. And that's, you know, I know the Patriots look bad and they were probably would have overrated, but that's still not an easy thing to do uh, to a Belichick defense. So a lot of credit goes to them. But, you know, there's a reason that this line isn't going to get to three, you know, despite the Chiefs being at home coming off a game where they won by, you know, 20 um, in Arrowhead. Uh, and that's because... I think this Bills team is the real deal. Now, they do a couple of things well on both sides of the ball that I think can give them the win here for the second time uh, this year in Arrowhead. And the first thing is they can get pressure, and they don't really have to blitz a ton. They're they're number one in pressure rate. But more importantly, I have a metric where I subtract blitz rate from pressure rate, and that gives me a proxy for how good a team's four-man rush is. You know, because ideally, especially in these playoff games against these elite quarterbacks, you really don't want to have to bring extra guys, uh, you know, to get pressure. It's not that you don't want to bring them at all. You obviously want to dial some things up, throw, you know, throw the offense off guard, put some pressure on them. But you want to be able to dictate that at, you know, when you want to do it. So four man rush, the Bills rank third in my metric at plus four point eight percent because they only blitz twenty six percent of the time to get that thirty point eight pressure rate. So. That's crucial against Mahomes. We know he's going to tear up the blitz. You need seven guys in coverage because then you can really start to bracket, double, whatever you want to call it, Hill and Kelsey. And then that's when Mahomes gets antsy. That's when he starts overthinking things. You know, it's like, how many times am I going to have to go to Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson? That's when you really start to throw the Chiefs off the game. Maybe you get a turnover or two or three uh, or four, like the Bills got in the first matchup. Another thing is Kansas City, 8.1 yards per target against man coverage, nine versus zone. So that 8.1 versus man, that's about league average. And 9.0 against zone, that's where they really excel. But the Bills are top 10 in man coverage rate. So, you know, they can get that pressure without blitzing. They can also play man coverage uh, when they want to. And even without Tredavious White, they've been able to do that. I mean, they still have a good cornerback group. They have great safeties, as we saw on display against New England. So, uh, obviously, you would love to have love to have had White, but this is still a dangerous defense, finished the year number one in DVOA. Um, so, really like what Buffalo can do to kind of disrupt Kansas City 
uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, this we saw what this Buffalo offense can do. So I'm not going to get into all their metrics. We know they're great. But if you're betting on Kansas City here, you're putting faith in the fact that Steve Spagnuolo can kind of figure something out the second time around. And he's been great at, at kind of late, the, late in the year schemes. Uh, you know, I've always kind of talked about that. So a lot of respect for him. But I think this notion that this Kansas City defense is like this completely different unit than the one that was the worst in football uh, early in the year is a little bit misguided. Like since they're by, they've given up 404 yards to the Broncos. They gave up 428 to the Chargers, 475 to the Bengals, another 364 to the Broncos. I mean, it just seemed like any, any team, but they played the Raiders and Steelers. Raiders won Steelers twice uh, over that frame. And I just think that those two teams in general, the Chiefs just had a big edge on them scheme-wise, just the way they matched up. But against some of these other teams, the Chiefs really haven't played well on defense. They've given up a ton of yards. Uh, and especially against these kind of playoff caliber offenses like the Chargers and Bengals put up, you know, 425 plus on, on the Chiefs. So I think the defense is still going to struggle here. And in the first matchup, Buffalo outgained the Chiefs 436 to 392. Uh, now, Kansas City did have the four turnovers. Buffalo had none. But you look at Kansas City uh, and how they're going to move the ball in this game uh, on offense compared to what you think their defense is going to give up. And I just think it's a bit troubling because Josh Allen in that game, 12.1 yards per attempt, 21 yards per completion in the first matchup. So like, there's a lot for Spagnola to correct here. On the other side, you know, the, the final yardage differential wasn't that crazy, but Patrick Mahomes, 5.0 yards per attempt, 8.2 yards per completion. And that kind of goes into what I said Buffalo can do well. So this is not going to be an easy matchup by any means for Kansas City uh, on either side of the ball. I would I would say they're outmatched on both sides of the ball. Uh, and then you look at the, the Kansas City Chiefs, they kind of righted the ship after that slow start. But Kansas City versus the other final four teams. So the other three teams that made the final four in the AFC, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and the Tennessee Titans. The Chiefs, 0-3, outscored 99-54, to outgained 1280-1140. to I am not sure that the Chiefs are a better team uh, in this matchup. Give me the Bills. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there. I have a, a bunch of futures tickets, my only futures from the beginning, the Bills. So I will be rooting hard for the Bills. I love them in the teaser piece. I would have hammered them at plus three. I was all over them plus three in the first matchup earlier this season. I lean that way. I have the Bills powered right now as the best team in the NFL. I mean, this is a team – last year they lost to the Chiefs, and they basically spent all of offseason crafting their team and adjusting what they want to do for the Chiefs. That's all they think about and all they've done. And they and you saw the defensive game plan and you know the defensive line improvements and their ability to get pressure this year. You saw that translate in the first meeting when they played the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes went from, I think, like eight and a half yards per attempt and no interceptions in the playoffs last year to 4.9 yards per attempt and two interceptions. So you saw the, the improvement. I think that the Bills ultimately win this game. It's going to be close. You're going to hear uh, Mahomes uh, under a field goal, which is fair. But, I mean, he's un a favorite under a field, a field goal or less in his career – it's he's never been a dog at home. It's happened five times. He's three and two against the spread. You know, the Bills beat him earlier this year. The Patriots beat him in 2019 in the playoffs. And he covered the three other games. You want to hear something really funny? 
And one of them was against the Cowboys. The Chiefs are only minus two and a half against the Cowboys. We were missing a lamb. And it's pretty funny to think about Chiefs are only minus two and a half against the Cowboys at home in no- late November. By the way, this is the funniest one. In 2018, in October, the Chiefs were three-point favorites at home against the Jags and Blake Bortles and Mahomes, and they won by 17. It's pretty funny to think about. You've just been Bortled. Obviously a different Jags D and team. But Josh Allen has great stats as a road underdog. Um throughout his career as well. I think this is basically just comes down to these are two great offenses that are capable of keeping up with anyone in the NFL. But at the end of the day, the bills defense is a little better and that's ultimately what's going to be the difference, but let me, I'll break down the game from another perspective. I'll go into my first pick and the second of the divisional round weekend six pack. And I'm going with the Buffalo bills Kansas City Chiefs under 54 and a half at BetMGM. Try to find the 55, wait on the 55, buy it to 55 for the for the for this contest. It doesn't matter. But it's obviously a key number. You know, it's one of the 10 most important numbers since 2015 when the extra point was moved back. Totals land on 54 or 55 over 5% of the time combined. Uh, so it's a really important number. Since 2003. Playoff totals between 54 and 56. We've we've had they've had nine of them. The under's gone eight and one, gone under the total by 14 points per game. The only exception was last year with the Chiefs and Bills. There was 50, 62 points scored. Chiefs and Bills scored 58 points earlier this season. And by the way, totals at 55 or above in the regular season, unders have gone 60%. It's hard to do. Right? You have to have a lot of things go right. But here's why I like the under. It's scary. This could turn into a shootout. If one team gets really far behind, then it gets really scary. But look, if we look at last year's game, and for, number one, there's a lot of familiarity. This is the fourth time these two teams will play in the last two seasons. I don't think there's going to be any surprises here. But if you look at last year's playoff game that blew up, what happened there was the Chiefs offense dominating the Bills defense with explosive plays and just they went bonkers. Well, the Bills have really fixed their defensive issues up front. They've kind of they've kind of caught on to the trend of, okay, let's take away the Chiefs' explosive play. We'll get pressure on Mahomes. We'll see how big of a loss the Trey White is. This could show up here, but the secondary is held up without him. But the defense is now on a, a different stratosphere, especially when pressure. Like I said, it went from 22 to 33%. And on the flip side, the Chiefs' offense is, number one, not as consistent, and number two, not as explosive, right? So they're, they've learned how to take the, you know, take what's given to them. You know, Buffalo's going to play a lot of these two high shells. They're, they're going to have method- they have methodical long drives now that eat up the clock. That didn't used to be the case with the Chiefs. So you could have an eight-minute touchdown drive from the Chiefs. You could have an eight-minute field goal drive. Good luck trying to hit over 55. That happens. On the other – and then when they played – so, you know, you have the Chiefs offense, which is not as great and not as explosive. And then you have the Bills defense, which is much better. Earlier this season, the Bills, the game went over because the Bills absolutely shredded the Chiefs defense. Well, the Chiefs were missing, you know, Ward. They were missing Chris Jones, who's probably the most important defender. And the Chiefs defense at that time was the worst in the league. They they were down there with the Texans and the Jags. They were 30th in EPA per play through the first eight weeks. The Chiefs ranked 30th in EPA per play and 32nd in success rate. They're basically like the Texans, if you – put them on a chart, it would be them and the Texans. But since week nine, they are seventh in EPA per play. 
and 17th in success rate. So a little lucky on points per opportunity. Their schedule was sort of beneficial. You saw like the competent quarterbacks that they faced did put up a lot of points, but the defense is, there's no arguing. The defense is a lot better. They changed, they made some scheme changes. Spagnuolo, end of the year, they got a lot of guys back and, you know, they had some acquisitions that have helped. And Spagnuolo's defenses in the playoffs always overperform. So the Chiefs' defense is in a much better space here. They're also probably going to come out here. They're going to, you know, they're going to have some exotic blitzes. They're also going to try to take away the explosive deep pass, and they're going to make the Bills beat them underneath and move the ball. So I think you're going to have some, you know, some long drives here. And on top of all of that, both of these offenses put up 40-plus last week, and they looked phenomenal. You know, after the slow start for the – for the Chiefs, people forget they had like touchdowns on like five straight drives. It's hard to replicate that effort two weeks in a row in the NFL. And we've seen these offenses have just all of a sudden it's, whoa, with the offense, what's, what's wrong with the offense this week? And then the next week it looks great. So if either one of these offenses has one of their clunkers, this game is going way under. So there's a lot of reasons why I like this under at 55. The 55 is so key. I, if it's a 54, I would not play it. If 54 and a half, maybe, but I – I wouldn't. I would. I would buy it to minus one fifteen fifty five. Fifty five is that important? Andy Reid at home forty seven thirty six and one to the under. That includes five and two in games with totals of fifty five or greater, going under by eight point two points per game. So I think that there's a, a lot more paths to the under than there are to the over. I might end up looking like a fool here, but I think ultimately the Bills win this game. I think it's going to be a close one. The first, the last couple haven't been. I'm going to say 27-24 Buffalo Bills. Uh, I do think there's quite the possibility for one of those two offenses to have to get at least long drives. Uh, and, you know, there'll probably be at least a couple of, of red zone stops in there. So, yeah, it's just so hard to get to these high totals, cold weather, outdoor game. So, yeah, I don't disagree. All right. For my second pick and the third overall in the – divisional round six pack i'm going with the tennessee titans minus three and a half against the cincinnati bengals you know this is one of those where it kind of goes against the trends here you know titans are first round uh have a first round buy they're the favorite but i think they match up really well with this bengal team and i think you have to kind of throw the metrics away for the titans i, I know both of these teams are i mean from a matchup perspective this looks like one of the worst divisional round matchups in, in ages i mean both of these teams are like middle of the pack in, in dvoa and it's just not pretty but you look at this tennessee team and for the first time all year they may have all 22 starters healthy on offense to defense that's big that that first round buy was big uh, for them in that instance. Um, yeah, they used the most players in NFL history. 91, 91 players. And now they're for the first time all year. So like we haven't even seen this Titans team at like true full strength. Uh, we also know that, you know, Vrabel um, hasn't been great as a favorite, but we have seen him in the playoffs come up with some, him and his staff come up with some great game plans. And uh, they've especially done that on the defensive side of the ball. I think, you know, they've, they've been here now, you know, this is still the Bengals, you know, they just won their first playoff game in over three decades. Now they're going into on the road into a divisional round team. That's been doing this, you know, year in and year out, getting here, surprising people. Um, they know what it is, but beyond that uh, you look at when the Titans have had Derek Henry who practiced, you know, full, full pads, all that stuff. Looks like he's going to go when they've had him with AJ Brown and Julio Jones on the field at the same time. They average seven yards per play when all three of them are on the field at the same time. For the season, 
the Titans average 5.1 yards per play. Now, yards per play is directly correlated with points, obviously. The more yards you get, the more points you get. So, you know, we kind of joke about Julio Jones and the fact that he's never on the field, even when he does suit up. But, you know, for the first time, we could see, like, all these guys get, you know, 80-plus percent of the snaps here. Julio Jones played 85% of the snaps in the finale. A.J. Brown was at 91. So 85% of the routes, I should say, for Julio, which is what you need. Um, So... You're going to have a, a, a full go Titans team. And that's a massive, massive difference. Then you look at their offensive line, which had injuries at different parts of the year. Well, their worst offensive line now will still be in the 56th percentile in PFF grades. Taylor Luan, 37th of 84. And a lot of people, you know, we look at that line and say he might be their best offensive lineman. Uh, but, you know, you have the center, Jones, he's. Uh, eighth, you have the right tackle, Questenberry, he's 17th of 84 tackles. Both guards are in the top 30 uh, of 80-plus guards. So this is a strong offensive line. You're going to have your three playmakers uh, on the field for a good amount of the snaps where you're just averaging, I mean, you're like 33% more in terms of your yards per play almost. And then you look at what's Tennessee going to do in this game. You know, with Henry, if, with Henry back, with Julio and Brown on the outside, that puts the play action game back in a full force. Well, Cincinnati, 117.7 QBR allowed against play action, 27th in the NFL, second worst among playoff teams. Cincinnati, 8.7 yards per play against play action, 30th in the NFL, worst among playoff teams. So this is going to be a tough matchup for Cincinnati. Hendrickson practice looks like he'll play, uh, but still, you, you have a – a D line that might be, you know, Ogan Joby went on a season ending IR. So still a defensive line that may be, you know, not quite a hundred percent, obviously without Ogan Joby going against now Derek Henry going against this play action game, um, just kind of getting worn down as the game went on, which almost hurts them against the Raiders uh, if we're being quite honest. And then on the other side, you know, Tennessee, this is still a, a physical defense that has really good game plans. Joe Burrow only threw for 244 against the Raiders. It wasn't like he's a he's a juggernaut against these teams that like are over reliant on man coverage. Tennessee can do both. Um, and so you also look at Tennessee and another thing they can do, which is going to be key against this, you know, this great receiving core. They're fifth in four man rush. They have a pressure rate of 24, but their blitz rate is only 19.9, fifth lowest. So that plus 4.1 margin between their pressure rate and their blitz rate, that's fifth best in the NFL. And we know Joe Burrow kills man coverage. He kills the blitz. Tennessee doesn't have to do that at all uh, to be successful here. So I don't think Tennessee is going to get every stop. They, you know, they've struggled at times, but we also haven't seen Tennessee fully healthy. Uh, They're at home. And then here's another thing that, you know, if you're betting on Cincinnati, I know you're getting the hook at three and a half, but here's something that would worry me a little bit. And I talked about this last week with the Patriots, the Patriots coming in the last week, you know, they were second in DVOA on offense at home, but 23rd on the road. That's a minus 21 gap in terms of ranking. The second worst gap, the Bengals, minus 16. They're ninth in DVOA at home, 25th on the road. And we saw what happened to the Patriots last week. I mean, defense was a mess, but it wasn't like the offense exactly did anything either. Um, this Bengal team that only put up 26 on the Raiders, I think you're going to need more against this healthy Titans offense, uh, and I don't think you're going to get it. So, uh, like the matchup for the Titans, give me them minus three and a half. Yeah, I like the matchup for, for for the defense because, like we said it with the Raiders last week, like it's not a it's not the Titans aren't going to blitz you like you said. 
they, you know, have been able to generate pressure. For me, this is just Burrow is not going to be intimidated, which is one thing. Like he's playing a lot of big games, so I think that that works in Cincy's favor. But I'm having, I just I'm having trouble with this game. Here's something that's that'll back you up and, and a stat that you're going to love for your side. Mike Vrabel, who's only 15, 20, and one against the spread as a favorite. Like Tennessee tends to play up and down to everybody, which is a little concerning here whenever you're laying over a field goal. But Vrabel, who might be becoming one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL, with nine or more days to prep. So it's bye weeks or after Thursday night games. It's happened eight times in his career. He's eight no straight up, eight no against the spread, covered Easy. by an average margin of 18 points per game. The average final score in those games, 30 to 10. 4 0 against the spread as a favorite, 4 0 against the spread as a dog. But, uh, you know, I just can't get to this number. And when we say, like, when I, when I say, oh, the, the team's off a bye, haven't covered well, I mean, like, number one, there's a lot of noise in that. The bye is obviously valuable for rest, for preparation. You know, you're playing other teams who have got injuries, who had to play. And, you know, it's a short week. For, uh, you know, like all these things, they matter, but does the market overweigh them? That's the only question. Um, so I just can't get to this number, but I don't want to back Cincy. It's just that Tennessee is a very difficult team to handicap because their sample size of what they are this year, you know, at full strength is not much. Right. And then it's like, all right, is Derek Henry going to get his full workload? Is there going to be like rust with all these new parts back? Um, so that's a possibility as well. But I think from a matchup perspective, with the play action, you know, with Tennessee liking to throw over the middle of the field on play action where since he's vulnerable, I think Tennessee's defense matches up well. They played really well in the second half of the year. They go all, you know, Vrabel's been great with time to prep. All you know, Titans at home. I think the Bengals are generally an overrated team. I just had the Titans rated low, but, it, you know, I, I can get to like three. I just couldn't lay it here, but I can – understand anyone that wants to titans are just a really difficult team to handicap for me knowing that they're at full strike now so it's a stay away from me i will be looking to bet it live to see based on what i'm seeing um and i will have a prop though i'll prop action which will take me to my i'll save my side for my third pick i'll go into my second pick i'm curious to get your thoughts on this to see Maybe I'm an idiot on my props again. I had Kittle over last week. I think he had one catch. Um, I mean, you almost killed my under in like the first quarter. So yeah, we that wasn't wasn't a great week for us prop betting on tight ends, huh? Well, that's on you. I'm I'm allowed. Uh, I'm, I'm allowed <laughs> so yeah, for my for my for my second pick in the fourth overall of the divisional weekend six pack, it's my prop. We have one prop, one side one total or we have one prop and then one side or total for the other two. I'm going with Jeff Swaim, (laughs) Jeff Swaim, Geoff Swaim over 11 and a half receiving yards. He's like uh, the Walmart Travis Kelsey. He's like, when just looking at him, like he always, he look kind of looks like he looks like, you know, that sculpture of uh, Ronaldo. That's like all messed up. That's like what Jeff Swaim is. Uh, if he was Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I love you. So I'm betting you're over prop here. The Bengals are the worst team in the playoffs by far against tight ends. I think they're bottom five DVOA guarding tight ends. On the season, he averaged like 13 and a half receiving yards per game. Now you have Pruitt, who is out for the year with an ankle injury. So, you know, his production, I think, is going to go up. 
uh, especially in this matchup, right? So I think the number is low just from someone who doesn't really do projections. I was just kind of looking at his numbers. And then this is just a matchup where you want the tight ends. The Bengals, they give it up like 63 yards per game, the tight ends, which is bottom five in the NFL. They're weak over the middle of the field. You got Brown back. You got Jones back. You got Henry back. Like, why, why are we going to Jeff Swain? Well, he's probably going to be open on play action. Um, play action, middle of the field. Also, you know, I'll, I'll throw, I'll, I'll put this in the app. I, I would have thrown a couple dollars on Jeff Swain first touchdown. He actually has, I think he's like second on the team in receiving touchdowns. He's like three touchdowns on the year. I can see him, you know, at the two or three yard line, everyone sells out for Henry. And then you're going to, you're going to hit Swain for a touchdown. So I think the number is low. The matchup is good. I think Swain, I think he's a Texas boy. will uh, we'll have a, I think he's going to get like, he averages like two catches a game. Um, so I think he'll get two catches for like 18 yards. Um, so that's what I ended up going with. You can tell me I'm dumb. I'm curious to your thoughts. Uh, Jeff Swain, because the funny thing is that's what I picked on. And then I have you in the back of my head being like, whenever you see these random tight ends, just go <laughs> under the low total. I actually agree. So I have, I'm looking at my projections for him uh, right now. I have him at 2.3 catches for 16 yards. So not 18, but 16, but that's, you know, how that's a very valuable, every yard is very valuable when you're talking about a prop of 11 and a half, right? You yeah. know, it's not like, yeah, he's had not, a couple games, like 50 yard receptions. I think that the, yeah. the, 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 the upside is really high here. And to your point, and this can take me into my next, but I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the stat first. Cincinnati 24th in DVOA against tight ends, 12th against non number one, number two receivers. So just from kind of a schematic standpoint, you know, with, with now Jones and, and Brown and, and Henry, now you can play your two tight end sets comfortably. Like you don't need that third receiver on the field to give you a little extra in the pass game that you lacked without, you know, Julio. So uh, I think you see Tennessee kind of go, if they want, if they could, I think they would go two tight ends every snap. You know, if that, if the game plan kind of dictated it and they didn't get into third and long. So uh, I think you're going to see that. Ferks are better not, uh, what do you, what do you <laughs> people call it? Vulture. Or vulture. vulture. That would, well, if you go first like... touchdown, he could, he could definitely vulture. That could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just um, going to be a little, little tiny but for fun. Ferkser is the, you know, better pass catcher of the two, but he has, I, so I just learned this. I was reading, uh, I believe it was on the athletic. It might've been, I might've just saw somebody posted on Reddit. Uh, I forget exactly where I saw it, but Ferkser gets a thousand dollars every time he pancake blocks somebody on a chip. So, so, you know, take that as, but again, this is why I like this Titans team just overall Bengals first road playoff game in the Zach Taylor era. Like I just, Zach I, Taylor like, it's so physical. Been, it's like uh, the most cliche thing in all of, like, I hate when people say it on, on those pregame shows, but I think it rings so true. Like the Titans are going to play such a physical game, by the way, versus teams left in the division around AFC or NFC. Titans are 4-0, 109 to 67 point differential. So yeah, I, I think, I think that Swain will be involved. I think the two tight end sets will be big. And that is why for my third pick and the fifth overall pick in the divisional round six pack, I'm going with Nick Westbrook Aquina under 28 and a half receiving yards. So he's been under this in 10 of 17 games anyway. So uh, he trends under this number. Now, obviously that's a lot of those games have come without AJ Brown and or Julio Jones. So there were games when Westbrook Aquina was the number one receiver that are, that are contributing to that. And he still went over this number in only seven games. Now he has taken over, uh, for the most part, that number three role from Chester Rogers, thank goodness, because I don't know how Chester Rogers is, you know, a top three receiver in today's NFL. But uh, regardless of that, it goes back to the point when you have Julio and Brown healthy 
uh, and you have Derrick Henry, the Titans are going to – every early down, the, the Titans are going to want to come out in those two tight end sets, especially because the Bengals are much weaker against tight ends uh, than they are against that, you know, non-primary receivers. And that's because Mike Hilton, their slot corner, is top 20 in, in PFF coverage ranking among over 100 cornerbacks. So Hilton is very good inside. He's not that big, but still a very good inside corner. And Cincinnati really has two corners playing really well, Wuzier and Hilton, and then you kind of pick on Eli Apple. So, you know, Westbrook Akina can line up inside outside, but he is still going to be, you know, two out of the, you know, three places he can line up. He'll be facing a very good cornerback. And then you just you look at Tennessee, they're a favorite. And, and the books aren't going to three, at least. It hasn't seemed like they are, which is kind of telling too. So this could be just a bad game script, you know, for, for a ton of throwing, you know, for the, to the third wide receiver. Usually those guys go over in games where, you know, the team is trailing. You get a couple of those, you know, two-minute drill kind of long completions. The third receiver is not covered because you're focusing on the top two guys. So this just doesn't set up to me as a game where they need Westbrook Akina uh, still think, you know, they love him uh, good. Could do every, can do a little bit of everything kind of Jack of all trades, master of none kind of player. So I think could see him make a big player too, maybe even catches a, a red zone touchdown, but uh, I just don't see him being consistently on the field or the need for him to be consistently targeted when you have AJ and Julio, who you can kind of move around, dictate matchups here uh, and get them on Eli Apple. So um, yeah, going under Westbrook Aquina 28 and a half. And I think it correlates pretty well to Swaim over because uh, I'm also betting on Titans just using a ton of two tight end. Now, one, one last question. I, I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll throw some change on it. Um, so I don't really have a position in this game. So I'll have some fun with some props. See if anything pops live, um, which you can follow along in the Action Network app. What did you, for your projections, what are you, and do you have any just random subjective thoughts? What are you projecting for? Henry, like, are you? So I have him eighty percent workload. uh, Yeah, I usually take about fifteen percent off for a guy like with like some injury question marks. So um, (laughs) even with that, I still have him projected for ninety six rushing yards and uh, about a about an eighty percent chance for a touchdown. All right, where you going for Uh, your third and final? Yeah, for my third and final pick of the divisional round weekend six pack, I'm going with. The Los Angeles Rams plus three at BetMGM at Tampa Bay. Yes, I'm going with Matthew Stafford against Tom Brady on the road, catching only a field goal. I don't show the most amount of value in this line, but I do show some value in the Rams, and I love the matchup based on what Tampa has left on their roster. And I I like the on-field matchup, which I'll get into. But you look at some of these offensive line injuries for the Bucs at right ta- all pro right tackle, pro bowl center, we're both banged out. I think they're both probably going to give it a go, but they're not going to be 100%. And there's a chance one or both don't go. And you saw once they were hurt and went down, the Eagles were just all over Brady. And that's exactly what the Rams defensive line could do. Top seven in both adjusted sack rate and pressure rate. That is how you have to stop and contain Brady. Aaron Donald and company have to get pressure and they're capable of doing so. It's one of the reasons why the Rams beat the bucks at home earlier this year in dominant fashion. And I don't see a lot of people talking about this other game last year, the Rams went on the road to Tampa and dominated the bucks. They had 413 yards held Tampa to 250 came as in late November last year, bucks averaged 3.7 yards per play. 
Jared Goff just threw for like 5 billion yards and the, and the uh, Rams averaged 5.8 yards per play. You're going to hear all about the Brady stats against the spread. Of course, all of his against the spread stats are great. He's only 17 and 17 against the spread as a favorite though in the playoffs, but he's 53, 31 and four. That's 63% as a dog or favorite of three or less 10 and five in the postseason. He's also 13 and five against the spread at home in Tampa two and zero in the playoffs, but I can, I can go against the spread trends on the other side as well that I think have some warrant here. McVeigh, by the way, 10 and four against the spread, 71.4% as a road dog covering by six points per game. Here's an important, important nugget. He's 10 and five against the spread on the East coast covering by seven points per game, 12 and three straight up. That includes that trip to Tampa last year. There's some, there's something that you, you see the Rams all the time. So like, this is like, Oh, short week. You got to go out. You have to go out East play Tampa. Like the Rams have consistently, whatever they're doing from a preparation standpoint, travel standpoint, like they're ready for these games, which I think is an important point here. Uh, and for what it's worth, these these short, you have a short week against a team. Uh, you know, these teams are on a short week, like five to six days of prep. You see that with uh, the 49ers against the uh, Packers. Like they only have, they have a shorter week than normal and the Packers are off a bye. The Rams obviously have a shorter week. Against the spread numbers, are, it, 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 there hasn't been any edge either way. It might just be priced in the market, but thought it was worth noting. But with these offensive line injuries, with the wide receiver injuries for the Bucks. This, this Rams defense was built. They, you know, I said the Bills kind of constructed their defense to stop the Chiefs, and they, all they were worried about was the Chiefs. The Rams, all they were worried about is the Bucks, and this is how they kind of constructed their defense. They're built as well as anyone in the NFL to slow down and contain Brady, as they've done in each of the past two meetings. On the other side of the ball, the offensive line is great. For the Rams, they're not going to be able to run much here, but I think Stafford will have success throwing against a, a vulnerable Tampa secondary. Stafford got did just a huge game last week just for his confidence and momentum. You know, Beckham is playing really well. I didn't think he'd be playing this well. The Bucks are going to blitz. That is what they do. They blitz as much as anyone in the league. Stafford is excellent against the blitz. He has receivers that can win one-on-one battles on the outside. I think that's important here. I think McVeigh. We'll have a very good script early on. And I just see the Rams defense matching up well. I think that Stafford can have some success through the air. And I just think that these two teams, you know, as right now, when you take all of the issues with the Bucks roster, I don't, I think the Rams might be the better team right now. And uh, I do respect Brady, but the field goal is obviously so important in a playoff game and especially in a game like this uh i'll gladly take the field goal here i also tease them up with the bills over a touchdown um i think the rams go into tampa and get the win and uh yeah so i'm siding i'm siding with mcveigh and company i hope he doesn't let me down on some by the way these are two very conservative coaches when it comes to like fourth downs They're like worse than the league so if you're looking at an under here so I was looking at under. I might go first half under, maybe. Bucks have started really slow. Um, these two teams are really fast. They're top five in a, a trusted pace and situation neutral, uh, situation neutral pace. But like I think that the Rams are going to have some success. 
I think that the Bucks are going to start slow. And then, like, but you see in the second half, if it's like, all right, if the Rams start shucking it all over, you can see a Stafford mistake if they're behind. You don't, Brady playing from behind, he's going to score. So maybe the first half under is the way to go. The only thing that kept me off this total, though, is what I think the Bucks are going to do, especially if they have offensive line injuries, is they're going to go hurry up. And I mean super hurry up, uh, I think, all game. And the reason that I think that is obviously that would help neutralize the Los Angeles pass rush and some of their subs and just keep the defense on its toes. But the uh, if you look at the no huddle offensive metrics for the Bucks this year, they're absolutely elite. I mean, and the pressure rate, sack rate go down to almost nothing. And if you look at the you look at some of what they were hinting at this week. Here's just listen to this quote. Bruce Arians on the no huddle. He just when you look back and do the self scout, that's what we've been our best at this year. So why not do it more? So I, I think that if with the offensive line injuries you're going against Donald, I think Brady's gonna come out here and go like super fast. I could see it. So that's and if that happens, like he's going like no huddle from the start the entire game, you're the under is cooked. So I'm staying away from the total. But uh, I think the Rams defense has paths to success here to slow down this really beat up Bucks offense. And I think Stafford, you know, hopefully he doesn't have a clunker. I like I like the Rams. Yeah, for me, this one is going to rely heavily on what happens with the injuries later in the week, specifically as it pertains to Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen, because Wirfs and Jensen both didn't practice uh, on Wednesday. But that's not surprising. Their swing tackles hurt, too. Yeah, Wirfs, I don't know if he's going to go. I mean, just seeing what, what happened with the injury and, and you know, coming back in, it, it just couldn't really do anything. It went down again. I, I'd be surprised I if he's he goes. Jensen's going to try to play. Yeah, That's- so – but this is, you know, that it's, it's obviously big, you know, losing a guy like Wirfs who is a top top six tackle in, among 84 tackles in PFF's grades. But Jensen now – because, like, you know, Tom Brady, why are we so hesitant to bet against him? Because, you know – he's essentially the best player in football when you take like clutch into, into account and just, you know, expertise and know-how. I know he's not, you know, he's not the arm talent of like a Mahomes or, or anything like that. But uh, now if you have Jensen, anything less than hundred percent, cause he's 13th among all centers in PFF grades, but he's just 24th of 39 in pass blocking. So he's already kind of average, a little bit below average here in pass blocking. Now you're talking about the best defensive player in football with a big edge on the center, which then affects the best offensive player in football and Brady. Cause we've always known that's how you beat Brady is interior pressure, right? It's like, it's like he could throw the ball so quick that if Wirfs is out, you know, whether they have to chip with Cameron Brait, Rob Gronkowski is a great blocker. If they want to chip with him, I mean, they, they can probably still make it work uh, to a certain extent, especially with time to prepare for it. Um, it it'll be difficult. Obviously Rams have a great, uh, you know, edge rush too. But now if you're talking about Aaron Donald's, against a banged up center uh, or, or anything less than hundred percent, that's going to really mess up what the Bucks are trying to do. If Wirfs is out, their swing tackle, it's Josh Wells. He's also, I think out. That means, you know, you're probably going to have Alex Kappa go to right tackle. Then you're going to have Aaron Stinney playing guard, a banged up Brian Jensen at center. That's a mess. I guess. And then you can move Donald around. It's like, okay, where's the weak spot? Where can we exploit this? 
beat up offensive line. But yeah, j- just blowing up the pocket against Brady is how you beat this team and doing it quickly. And that's that's why you have to do it from the interior. I think you yeah, you're I think this is a matchup where they really miss Godwin. You could just see last week, like they played the Eagles, right? Like the Eagles who haven't beat anyone all year. Their defense improved throughout the year. And you saw their defensive line after the Bucks offensive line was hurt. Like they their defensive line started to dominate. But the Eagles secondary is like, all right, let's play everything. Let's play way off everything. And they just don't have a lot of talent across the board. Whereas the Rams, you know, they have a similar philosophy in a lot of ways, but they have much more raw talent uh, at corner than the Eagles do. And uh, you just hope that Eric Weddle doesn't get burnt too much. But Eric Weddle has had some uh, successful some success against Tom Brady. I'll be interested to watch that, but yeah, I just think it's all about the defensive line against this offensive line. That's at best going to be playing at way less than hundred percent, but I, yeah, based on what worse looks like, I don't see how he'd be able to go. I actually think Wells could go. Um, he did practice on a limited basis. So that's better than Jensen and worse. So maybe he goes, but you know, and then to play devil's advocate, cause I, you know, I still do see some concerns with the Rams more on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, they dominated the Cardinals. Okay, great. They ran the ball 38 times. They caught they had 19 dropbacks. Uh so I talked to I've been talking about Stafford and how he's kind of declined over this down the stretch, you know, all, all year. So I, I do have some concerns with both of these teams on the offensive side of the ball. I think you're on to something with that under. Uh, I do agree that, you know, if, if you don't want these teams to obviously go hurry up, but what does it for me is just the health of those Bucks linemen. Like, cause oh, the line is dropping to two and a half at a lot of books. You know, if the Bucs are going to have their old line completely healthy, I, I think, you know, I think it's a field goal game. I think it's minus three, you're getting two and a half. But if they're not, I think it's more like a minus two and a half. So then if you could get the three, that's obviously very valuable because the Rams could just flat out win the game anyway. So um, that's what it really comes down to, to for me. But I, I do see concerns with both offenses here. And I don't think it'll be as high a scoring as a game as it was in that first matchup where, what are they, they combined to throw for like over 800 yards. In that game, yep. I think Gronk got hurt and they still went, the Bucks still went off and Deshaun Jackson, who's not no longer there, quite a big one. Yeah, for me, it's just going to come down to, to, to what happens with Worse and Jensen. Uh, to recap, Stuck is going with the Rams plus three, Bills, Chiefs under 54 and a half, and Jeff Swaim over 11 and a half receiving yards. I'm going with the Bills plus one and a half, the Titans minus three and a half, and Nick Westbrook Aquina under 28 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Who would have thought Jeff Swaim and Westbrook (laughs) Aquina make it in the divisional round Sunday six back? That's prop betting for you. You know, the stars are, you know, the the line, it's just easier to have an efficient line. Um, But that concludes our divisional round six pack presented by the Athletic Brewing Company, whose innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more, they offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, they've created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award gold medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews lets you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. You can place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six packs and enjoy 10% off your order with promo code ACTION10. That's A-C-T-I-O-N-1-0. Cheers. All right, now it's time for our divisional round coaches pep talk. 
This is by far the worst team that has ever sat in this locker room. All right, Stuck. So after the incompetence we saw last weekend, I felt like we just had to bring back the coach's pep talk. Uh, so this one is from Keegan Michael Key, and we're dedicating it to Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, just that whole Cowboys offensive staff that uh, took part in Spikegate. Y'all want to play. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Do you want to go to war? Because no. we could go to war. So you better check yourself. Y'all feel me? You done messed up? Now take your ass on down to office right now and tell him exactly what you did before I break my foot off in your ass. Insubordinate and churlish. I mean, like, there were so many things wrong with this play, Stuck. And it was crazy that it came right after Shanahan did what I thought was going to go down as one of the worst play calls ever if they if they ended up, you know, if that ended up costing them. But, like, not only do you usually need 17 to 18 seconds to do anything up the middle um, and then get the spike off. But the Cowboys, Dak slides at like the 26, 26 and a half, maybe even the 27, somewhere in between there. And then hands it to his center and they spotted it like the 24. So then, then he doesn't, they don't even give away for like a, a pass for the ref to get in. So he's sprinting down the field doing his best. He bangs into Dak. That probably cost him a second. He looks, he goes to spot it, realizes that there's no way that the offensive line is going to get back to the correct spot, which is like two yards, two and a half yards uh, behind where the Cowboys self-spotted the ball. So it just decides to like throw it down just like a yard back or a half yard back to give him a chance to get the spike off. And they still don't do it. And then, and then Dak goes and credits the fans for, for throwing debris at the refs. I mean, that was just peak Mike McCarthy. And I don't know, like, did Kellen Moore cost himself a job with that? I mean, like, what the fuck? Insane. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Let's get into Best of the Rest, which is a game we did not talk about in any other segment. All right, Stuck, we got the Niners, Packers. Still some question marks here is how healthy Jimmy Garoppolo is. Uh, he practiced on a limited basis. Probably going to give it a go, but uh, that is worrisome. Uh, you know, obviously, I think the Niners set up 
well in terms that they can run the ball and the Packers run defense has not been good at all. Uh, but you just figure at some point you're going to have to throw it against this Packer team with Darren Rodgers on the other side. And so I don't know, what do you make of this, this injury? Are you, do you still like uh, the Niners here at plus five and a half uh, plus six at, at some spots? Yeah, I would lean 49ers. If I mean, at six, if I knew they were at full strength, obviously Nick Bosa is obviously extremely important to the 49ers defense over the second half of the year has been especially up front as playing at an incredible level. They moved both over to the left side and with Arden key. And I think they made a lot of def- You got to give credit to D'Amico Ryan's. They made a lot of schematic changes on the defensive line that are, and they had acquired some kind of under the radar underrated names that have helped on that defensive line. But Nick Bosa is the key. And if he can't go against Aaron Rodgers, that's a major problem. Um, and then you have Jimmy G with an, uh, a thumb injury. And then what he says is a, you know, a new shoulder injury, which is worse. And now you're going to the cold. This isn't, you know, indoors. So if I think, you know, a thumb and a shoulder in the cold at Lambeau, it could get ugly. I assume what the 49ers are going to want to do. Like I, I kind of, I, what I'm, uh, I'm looking at here. And, and by the way, this is when you want to back Shanahan it does on the road. And as a dog, it's very good against the spread in both Jimmy G 14 and four, 14 and four against the spread as a dog. 78% covering by nine points per game. He's 13 and five straight up as a dog. Uh, but you have Rogers as a silly 69, 37 and four against the spread at home. 65% covering by three and a half points per game, which is just wild. Cause everyone's like, Oh, it's Rogers at home and wants to bet him, And he still covers every game. But you know, I mean, the Packers run defense has been bad all year. Everyone knows that, but they should get some reinforcements back. Uh, on the defense, you know, you would think Jair Alexander, Smith, I, they, their defense is going to be a lot healthier. And I assume they're just going to stack the box and they're going to say, Jimmy G, you beat us. And because they, their run defensive numbers are, are bad if you look at them across the board. Um, but you have to keep in mind, it's kind of like a run funnel defense, right? They invite you to run a bit. So here they might say, we're going to stack the box and Jimmy make you beat us because. Uh, and look, they stopped. They did that in the first meeting. They, they, they ran, the 49ers, look, much different run offense now. Debo wasn't involved. You, uh, Mitchell wasn't even in the, in the rotation then when they first played earlier this season. But they held the 49ers at 20 carries and 60 yards. When these two teams played back in 2019 in the NFC Championship game, the 49ers rolled out. Packers are my only future that you know, we, were still, we were doing the podcast. They won, I think, 37 to 20. Jimmy G went like six of eight for 77 yards. The 49ers just ran it 43 times, averaged like seven and a half yards per carry. That's all they did. I don't think it'll be that easy here, but I think that's going to be the game plan. So, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty with Bosa. What does Jimmy G look like? Because you can't really trust Trey Lance in this spot. So I think that the 49ers are going to come out. They're going to try and just run, 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 I think. And then they're going to say, shit, when they have to use Jimmy G. And they're going to be counting on their defense, which is playing better. The secondary is a lot healthier now, too. And it's not just health. It's just confidence. Like, back when they played the Packers earlier the season, it was like – I mean, the names that were in there were horrendous. And then they all they all got hurt during the game. But, you know, I want to bet a first-half under here. It's scary knowing the Packers run D. You know, you're going against Aaron Rodgers. But here's my case for it. 
And I wanted 48 and 24, I did, but it's coming down. There's weather, you have wind, and it's going to be freezing, and there's questions with Jimmy G. I think the Packers are going to stack the box. They're getting some guys back on defense. But, and if Nick Bosa plays, I think the San Fran defense can have some success. The Packers, 25th in first quarter points per game. Slow starting team all year long on offense. For whatever reason, then they kind of Rodgers diagnose it, and then like second quarter and third quarter is when they explode. And then fourth quarter, they drop off because usually they have the lead. You have – two coaches that I think err on the side of caution too often in this game early on, on like fourth downs, which might work in that favor. But these two teams are bottom three or four in the league in pace, like very slow teams. And why I might prefer the first half under is here's the alternative. Like Rogers is up, right? So say Rogers builds a lead. You want Jimmy G like throwing in Lambo to try and get the 49ers back in the game. He's either A, healthy, and they're going to hit some passes and, and they're going to move the ball without the clock running, or B, he's throwing it to the Packers linebackers and turning it over. Also, if the 49ers are running the ball really well and scoring, well, that means they're running the ball really well and scoring, and then you have Rodgers playing from behind. Well, you're, you're not going to keep Rodgers off the scoreboard in a uh, playing from behind. So, and, and another thing is the Packers tend to go pretty conservative on defense late. They have a lead, so like, so I don't know. I think that there's a lot of avenues to a first half under 23 and a half. That's my look. I think there's value with the 49ers, but there's a lot of uncertainty with your quarterback and then your most important defensive player. So I get why the line is there. Um, so that's my take on it. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's worrisome because it looks like what's going to happen is Jimmy G's going to play, but he's just not going to be 100%. And like you said, it's just, I think the Packers, uh, you know, their struggles on run defense – they're going to come out at some point. I mean, this is still the best scheme run defense, but is it going to be enough here? Because if, they, if they're stacking the box, they may also play some more man coverage. If they get Jair Alexander back, they can play more man coverage. They are 20th in man coverage rate on the year. But that can go up if they have Alexander back, if they get, you know, Smith back, helps their pass rush. Because remember, I you know, the numbers I quoted last week, you know, Debo Samuel's yards per route against man, like cuts in half. Kittle even goes down like a full yard. And we saw that kind of come out. You know, the pack, uh, the Cowboys almost equal man versus zone last week because they're a man heavy team. And so, you know, you do worry a little bit about. Because you have Alexander Stokes yeah. and Douglas. You can play man. Right. So and then you, you have your safeties just bracketing Kittle in man. And like, yeah, I can see it. And then yeah. everyone else is just, you have one safety load in the box. You have. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's – I think Kittle will still have an advantageous matchup. Gun in my head, I'd actually lean Packers. Like, I hate laying the points. I would hate laying the points. Maybe I'll do it, you know, seeing how things shape up. But I just think the Packers have some advantages here, kind of some 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 bullets left in the chamber with these guys coming back, almost similar to the Titans where, you know, on paper, it's like, oh, this they're playing this hot team that no one wants to see. But it's like when you look at the matchup a little deeper, if the Packers just play it right now, I mean – Again, another guy that we've probably underrated, you know, is, is LaFleur. I mean, that whole coaching staff has been pretty on point for the majority of, of you know, since he, since they took over. I mean, they do nothing but win. Yep. So, yeah, I, I lean Packers here, but obviously check the Action Network app. Uh, you can follow Stuck at Stucky2. You can follow me at Chris Raybon. That's where you'll find all the picks that we are making. Yeah, we'll have convinced me. Uh, props on that uh, that Eagles Bucks first half under, which I ended up taking for the for the show, and that hit. I was hung over as hell too. I had my shades on that whole show, and it was all that, go figure. It was yeah, my best was, day. Better. It was awful at first, and then I was then it, then it got I was yeah. Like, I, then it got a lot better. Then it got dicey, and then luckily hurts through that pick in the red zone. 
uh, checkactionnetwork.com uh, for all of our content. As, as Stuck mentioned, convince me we'll have uh, the live show uh, both days. Uh, so check our Twitter, Action Network HQ Twitter handle for that. Uh, I'll post it, the link as well. Let's get to our winners. We've selected our two favorite Apple podcast reviews uh, to win a prize. And those two winning reviews come from the usernames Time for Coffee uh, and Timbo Bills Mafia. So thank you, uh, Time for Coffee and Timbo Bills Mafia. Email podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. Again, that's podcasts with an S at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. Thank you again to all of our listeners. Please keep dropping those five-star ratings and reviews, and we'll announce uh, more winners doing our Super Bowl preview. We'll talk to you guys next week. Best of luck. Let's get this money. Go Bills. <laughs>